Amen. We're going to be in John chapter 6 today, if you want to turn there in your Bibles. And the title is Unlimited Bread. Can you say that with me? Unlimited Bread. John 6, verse 35 and 36, Jesus says this. He says, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall, not, shall never thirst. But I said to you that you have seen me and yet do not believe. As we look at this issue of unlimited bread, <laughs> I don't know about you, but I love bread. And, uh, you know, when, when you think about places and spaces that, that provide unlimited bread, I was thinking back to my, my time as a college student, right? You don't have a ton of money, at least I didn't. And uh, where, where I was in Michigan, there was a place called Fazoli's. Anybody familiar with Fazoli's? And, and Fazoli's was great because they'd have these like $2 Italian ice kind of things and then unlimited breadsticks, like as many as you could eat. And trust me, I could put away a few breadsticks. As you look at me, you're like, yes, I see that. Um, there is no doubt that as that those years tra- transpired, that, that Fazoli's for me and for other students like me was a way to get through school with a cheap meal, Right. And, and then you get a little older and you discover a place like Olive Garden, right? Uh, these are actually Olive Garden breadsticks, and uh, some of you just changed your lunch plans today. Um, they're unlimited, right? And, and so about 10 years ago, I began to, to actually battle like some sickness, some, some symptoms, headaches and fatigue and, and uh, some other you know, issues that, that led to some testing. And as it led to testing to figure out what was going on with me, uh, we actually discovered that I had a gluten sensitivity. And I wanted to reject that. Right? I'm like, no, I love bread. Like, don't mess with my bread. And, and, and yet there was this reality that to eat it meant that I would struggle and that I would feel sick. So about 30 days ago, we went out to dinner as a family at, at Olive Garden. And what did I do? Right? I did what any fiscally responsible person would do. I ate those breadsticks. I rejected what I knew to be true about me and what I needed to do, and I paid for it for a few days afterwards. I I actually did. It was kind of embarrassing. Now, here's why I get into all this. There are times where we know what is true, where we know what we need to do, but we actually reject it because we'd rather live our own way. The pastor and author, Todd Atkins, he says this, most people don't reject the Bible, and we could even insert in there the idea of Jesus, which is what our series is about. Most people don't reject the Bible because they think it contradicts itself, but because it contradicts the way they want to live. Woo! (laughs) Here we go. Here we go, right? There's a a professor in uh, author, Scott Sunquist, that says this, He says, the church, and maybe any local church, should see itself as breaking bread in homes and as gathering in a larger body. This earliest community, the church community, resulted in a public witness seen in the good reputation they had among their neighbors. And this resulted in more coming to faith and joining the community. What he's getting at here is when we understand 
what unlimited bread is, who Jesus is meant to be in our life. And we actually don't reject those changes, but actually begin to live the way Jesus intended, that actually it, it's attractional that people are attracted not to a program or to a building or to the thing we call a church service, but they're attracted to a lifestyle that they see is better than what the world has to offer them. Are you with me, church? Sunquist goes on to say there's 10 characteristics that mark the earliest Christian communities. So I want to go through these with us for a minute here. He says, when we look at the early church, people that had been impacted by Jesus' death and resurrection, that these 10 characteristics mark the way they live. The first is repentance and forgiveness. That, that actually they understood that they needed to repent of their sins and find forgiveness in Jesus, not just once, but ongoing. Secondly, they were centered in Jesus Christ. That his death and resurrection for them became the center of their living. Third, they resisted cultural sins. They were surrounded by a pagan and wicked world, much like the evil we're surrounded with today. And they resisted cultural sins. Fourth, they were celebrating often baptism. People were coming to faith and being baptized. And wasn't it great a few weeks ago that we had 14 baptisms? I mean, God is doing these same things in our church. Please hear me. But also don't miss that there may be some of these that God's saying, hey, I, I need to continue to invite you into what it means to really live for me. Fifth, teaching about Jesus Christ in the context of worship, that they understood when they gathered for worship, they were learning about who Jesus was, what he valued, and what he taught. Sixth in corporate worship was the Eucharist, celebration, and prayer. Uh, th this is actually the, the, what we call communion, or the Lord's Supper, which we'll receive today at the end of service. Uh, th these were things that they did together. Seventh, they shared goods you know, I got to tell you, yesterday, there are a group of people from our church that went to another person's home, and they worked on doors and floors, and they literally were sharing goods in order to make sure that this individual's living situation was better than the day before. That is incredible to be a part of, church. This is the way they lived, and this is the way we're learning to live. Eighth, they took time together. They ate meals in homes they were building new community together. As a result, number nine, they were respected in their communities. People knew that they're actually living their faith, that these people are serious. And as a result, number 10, more people were coming to the faith. The word would be evangelism, sharing the good news, and people were coming to faith. You see, there's something about Jesus that is meant to change the way we live, not just individually, but together. And if we grasp this and don't reject it, there is unlimited bread available. In John chapter 6, picking up in verse 1, it says this. After this, Jesus went away to the other side of the Sea of Galilee, which is the Sea of Tiberias. And a large crowd was following him because they saw the signs that he was doing on the sick. Jesus went up on the mountain, and there he sat down with his disciples. Now the Passover, the feast of the Jews, was at hand. 
Lifting up his eyes then and seeing that a large crowd was coming toward him, Jesus said to Philip, Where are we to buy bread so that these people may eat? He said this to test him, for he himself knew what he would do. Philip answered him, 200 denarii worth of bread would not be enough for each of them to get a little. One of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, said to him, There is a boy here who has five barley loaves and two fish, but what are they for so many? Jesus said, Half the people sit down. Can you imagine this moment right there? Huge crowd, thousands of people present, five loaves, two fish. What are you going to do, Jesus? And he tells them to sit down, to sit down, which in many ways is an act of trust, right? An act of, yes, Lord, we trust you. We trust what you're revealing. We trust what you're telling. And, and here's the thing is we follow Jesus. Sometimes we make it more complex than it needs to be. That, that sometimes it's literally, here's what I simply would like you to do. Here's your next step. For each of us individually, if we begin to hear what that is and we begin to be obedient, we will see breakthrough. We will see God move. For them in that moment, they have the context for a miracle. There's actually around them a need that is so much greater than what they can meet. There's actually someone present who's able to do something about it, but they have to obey and trust him. So he says to sit down and they actually do it. Notice what happens next. Verse 10, Jesus said, Have the people sit down. Now there was much grass in the place. So the men sat down, about 5,000 in number. Jesus then took the loaves, and when he had given thanks, he distributed them to those who were seated, so also the fish as much as they wanted. And when they eaten their fill, he told his disciples, Gather up the leftover fragments that nothing may be lost. So they gathered them up and filled 12 baskets with fragments from the five barley loaves left by those who had eaten. When the people saw the sign that he had done, they said, This is indeed the prophet who has come into the world. Perceiving then that they were about to come and take him by force to make him king, Jesus withdrew again to the mountain by himself. Let me explain to you a little bit of what is happening there. If you're taking notes, this idea of unlimited bread, human limits submit to a limitless God. Human limits submit to a limitless God. In fact, if we can completely understand God, we don't actually know God. Scripture is very clear that, that actually there are mysteries, there are aspects of who God is that are being waited to reveal until he returns. In fact, to know God is to know how much you don't know. To know him is to actually begin to realize how much more there is to know and to grow in our knowledge of him. That is very humbling. But we're limited in our human capacities. Our minds are finite and he is infinite. Anybody? So it would make sense that, that our limits submit to he who is limitless. And when we look at this at the very end in verse 15, it, if you caught it, what is happening there is they want to make him king based on what they're used to from a king. 
That in fact, what they're saying, and he knows, is they're starting to believe because of the signs that actually maybe he has come to overthrow what they see around them, which in that day was often Roman political and governmental rule. And actually what Jesus had come to do was to overthrow the hearts first. That here were people that, that fundamentally did not allow him to reign and to rule and to have his way. And so he withdrew because he knew when his time would come, they would begin to understand that he is the saving king. That he comes to establish a reign and rule a life within us that is limitless, not because we're great, but because he's great. And when we look like, at a story like this, we just get a glimpse of the possibilities in what a, our God is able to do. If you're taking notes, when we bring our little to God, he makes much of it. You see, they, they had a couple of loaves, some fish, and, and it mentioned 5,000 men. So if you know about counting in the first century, actually that probably would have been closer to 20,000 people with women and children. This is a massive crowd of people. And there's very little in their hands. But when they bring it to him and God touches it, little becomes much because of who he is. So, so let me just speak to what you see as your limitations right now. What is it in your life that God is saying, sit down, trust me, follow me, I've got it, it's not enough, but I'm enough. What is it that God's saying, hey, you don't think it's possible, but if you'll trust me, I can do more with that little bit than you even know is possible. This might apply to your marriage. It might apply to a situation with your kids. It might apply to a situation with your work or maybe with your retirement account. Anybody else a little nervous about some of the things happening? Okay, a few of you are like, no, I'm good. I'm good, Pastor. I could preach this message, right? I mean, the reality is there is a world that comes at us that tries to get us caught in anxiety and fear because of limits. And our God supplies boundaries. Don't hear me wrong at all. He supplies limits and boundaries, and within that, we have freedom. But we're not talking about resources right now. We're talking about a God who is limitless. Who, who says, I'll take little and I'll make it unlimited, right? I mean, can you imagine going to the restaurant and getting so fixated on a couple of breadsticks that you miss where they're coming from? That you actually miss what the source is? And, and this is often what happens in our lives, and I believe in many ways what he was afraid of with the people in the crowds, is that they got so focused on the gifts and we're missing the giver. That they were so focused on the resources that they were missing the source. And, and this is actually, throughout Scripture, something that God is trying to help his people understand. You see, Jesus' miracles point to the deeper truths about himself. That these miracles are meant to point to the deeper truths about who he is. And this story in John chapter 6 parallels a story in the Old Testament from Numbers chapter 11. 
Let me just show you a couple of the ways that it's similar because for them in in the Old Testament in Numbers 11, they had experienced God providing, but again, it wasn't about the provision, it was about the provider. It was teaching them who to trust and who actually they needed to turn to in each and every situation. So here's some parallels, just four, between John 6 and Numbers 11. The first is there was a massive need and a lack of resources. In John chapter 6, it's the loaves and the fishes. It's a crowd of 15 to 20,000 people. In Numbers 11, it's God's people traveling through the wilderness that have no food and need provision. The second is that there's a description in John 6, we'll get to it in a minute, of manna. In the Old Testament, in Numbers 11, there's actually a manna provided to God's people, and it's provided daily. It spoils overnight. Manna, the word, actually means, what is it? They didn't even know what it was when they first saw it. Anybody else, like, God shows up, you see him provide, and you're like, oh, I didn't, I didn't expect it that way. What, what is that, right? They had to learn that what God was providing was actually from him, and he would continue daily to meet their needs and take care of them. Third, the people complained. Both in John chapter 6 and in Numbers 11, people were complaining because they felt lack and felt like they didn't have enough. We never complain around here, do we? By the way, I make a joke like that, but I got to tell you, God is providing for Pathway in amazing ways. And I see, I see that, and, and I see how he's providing for each of you. God is a God that even sometimes we need to be reminded that our nature might be to complain about what we don't have or what we want. And, and in an age of social media and comparison, we can often see like there's always somebody that has a little bit more. Complaining is natural, but it doesn't have to be normative. It doesn't have to be the way we live. It's part of the parallel we see in this. And then the question in both passages, John 6 and Numbers 11, is where are we to get it? Where are we to get this supply? Where are we to get this provision? So let's dig into what that means. Because when we begin to ask the question... What is my real resource? What is my real source? That's when we get to the heart of the matter. And I got to tell you, there are times where, where I am pressed on this in my own life, right? Where I'm tempted to try to figure it out and fix it and, and turn to my own solutions, whether it's in my work here at the church or at home where I'm tempted to to try to figure it out on my own versus coming to God and allowing him to be my source. Anybody else have that problem? And as we look at this today, there's a deeper root of trust that God, I think, wants to get to with us. And sometimes we have to go through some pain points. Sometimes we have to go through some moments of hunger and thirst to realize our need for him. Again, in Numbers 11 and in John 6, there's a context for a miracle. And many of us would love God to do a miracle in our life, but we're not willing to accept the conditions that need to be present for a miracle to occur. 
Let me repeat that. Many of us would love a miracle, but we're not willing to accept the conditions that actually need to exist for there to be a miracle. See, miracles happen when things aren't right, when things maybe are a little off, maybe when we are a little as they were hungry or thirsty and and needing something to fill that void. And here's God showing up and saying, in the midst of your mess and your need, I am your source and I am the one that can provide and take care of this situation. Will you trust me and obey me? Whoo, church. Let's go. So what happens next in verse 16 is Jesus walks across this lake. He walks on water. It's another miracle. He ends up on the other side of the lake. The next day, the people wake up that have been impacted by Jesus, and they want to know where he is. They want to come and see another miracle. They want to see another gift from the giver, right? And so they track him down on the other side of the lake, and that's where we pick up the story in verse 25. It says, when they found him on the other side of the sea, they said to him, Rabbi, when did you come here? Jesus answered them, truly, truly, I say to you, you are seeking me not because you saw signs, but because you ate your fill of the loaves. Do not work for the food that perishes, but for the food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you or give to you. For on him, the God, God the Father has set his seal. Then they said to him, what must we do to be doing the works of God? Jesus answered them, this is the work of God that you believe in him who he has sent. And I'm going to just pause there for a second. Because some of us are looking to try to figure out things on our own. We're trying to figure out what's, what's the works I need to do to receive God's blessing. What's the works I need to do to receive that unlimited bread? And and this is a core piece of it. It's to believe. To believe in Jesus more than you believe in the world, more than you believe in yourself, but to believe in Jesus. And that is counter to how many of us are wired. Anybody else a doer? Like you just like to go and do and make it happen, right? This is counter to that. The work actually begins not in our doing, but in our believing in who Jesus is and what he has. Verse 30. So they said to them, then what sign do you do that we we may see and believe you? What work do you perform? Our fathers ate the manna in the wilderness as it is written. He gave them bread from heaven to eat. Jesus said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, it was not Moses who gave you the bread from heaven, but my father gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. They said to him, sir, give us this bread always. Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. But I said to you that you have seen me and yet do not believe. All that the Father gives me will come to me, and whoever comes to me I will never cast out. Isn't that good news? If you're taking notes on limited bread, I've already said this, the source is greater than the resource. 
And what Jesus is getting at here is I, he says, in the bread of life, I am the one that is your source. I am the one that you need to turn to. And when you do, you can be assured that, that I'm going to care for you and love you and watch over you and be everything that the world has tried to offer you falsely and in a limited way. And I'm going to be unlimited in what I have for you. As we think about this, constant comparisons create a lack of contentment and false appetites. And I got to tell you that this was the portion of the message that really began speaking to to me in a significant way. Because I live in the same world you do Monday through Saturday and even on Sunday. I live in the same world that is constantly trying to create consumption. Constantly trying to create comparison. Constantly trying to make me and you feel that we don't have enough, that we're less than, that there's somebody more, something greater, something we should go after that is different than Jesus. I live in the same world. And these constant comparisons, they do create a lack of contentment, don't they? I mean, anybody else? Like, like you get that new outfit and you, you look in the mirror and you're like, oh, I like that fit. That looks good. And then three days later, it doesn't look the same after it's gone through the washer once. Right? Anybody else? I feel like every time I wash something, it comes out and I'm like, oh, man, that's not as good as the original, you know, like that first wear. Creates this lack of contentment. There's a world that's designed to do that. And, and what that leads to is false appetites. False appetites that have to do with what we're hungering and thirsting for. And there are times and moments where, you know, I believe that we come to the table and, and we're at the table and we're being offered something that by Jesus can fill the void, can actually meet our need, our hunger, our thirst, and our real appetite. And instead, we're too worried about what other people are getting, what other people are eating, what other people are receiving. But that must just be me. See, Jesus gets into the heart of the matter, doesn't he? To, to say that, no, I, I'm the source. And, and you can worry about these things, but I have something so much greater and so much better for you that's unlimited. That every time you're tempted to be discontent, every time you're tempted uh, to, to move into a false appetite, he's there and available to say, if you'll trust me, if you'll feed on me, I can help you get through this. If you're here uh, a couple months back, my, my brother, who's a pastor, joined me here on, on the platform. We were talking last night, and uh, we, we just kind of admitted to each other. For him, it's like past 10 o'clock at night. Hi, brother. Love you. <laughs> I'm, I'm throwing your stuff out there. For me, it's, it's about 8.30, 9 o'clock. Anybody else notice that you're, you can eat really well all day? And then suddenly at night, it's like you forgot every, all the discipline, all the things you did right during that day. Okay, now you're waking up. 
And, and like we all have, like maybe for you it's not food, maybe it's something else, but if you're honest, there's a moment in a space and probably even a time that's pretty predictable where that false appetite kicks in. So we talked last night about helping each other through that, holding each other accountable because, again, if we're going to live differently, we can't reject the offer that Jesus provides us, which is not just him, but community to do life with. So these appetites, these comparisons, they're designed not for our health, but they actually hurt us. And here's the thing, they, they create in us a lack of satisfaction. And here's what I want to affirm, Jesus is life, and he is the source of ultimate satisfaction. That actually when we begin to understand that he's not just a belief system that gets us to heaven, but he's actually a way of living. That actually being with Jesus is the closest you're going to ever get to life as it was meant to be. That actually he is that bread of life and he is unlimited. That's when we begin to experience breakthrough and peace and joy and life in the ways that God intended. So let's see how this finishes here. In verse 38, he says, For I have come down from heaven, not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me, that I should lose nothing of all that he has given me, but raise it up on the last day. For this is the will of my Father, that everyone, everyone, say everyone, everyone who looks on the Son and believes in him shall have eternal life. And I will raise him up on the last day. When we believe in Jesus, he raises us up beyond life, beyond the things that we're experiencing. There's a couple of scriptures that, that speak into the deeper spaces with this. Psalm 37.4 says this, Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. When we begin to delight and feed on the source of life, the bread of life. He changes our heart's desires and he meets them in a way that the world will never do. Matthew 5 verse 6 says this, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. So let me ask you a few questions to close today. First, when we think of our next steps, for some of us, we believe in Jesus and we're hungering and thirsting. But he's saying, listen, you've been doing life alone. I need you to begin to grow. I need you to begin to serve. I need you to begin to trust me in new ways. I need you to get out of your comfort zone and put me, God says, in a position where I can do a miracle because I'm stretching your faith. I'm you're trusting me in new spaces. If you go to pathwayvb.com slash next steps, we have a number of next steps outlined that are designed for you to see where you could step into a new space and trust God to show up. Secondly, I want to ask you, have you received Jesus as your Lord and Savior have you received him? Because if you have not, whether you're online or in person, that is the greatest gift and the most life-changing moment 
when you begin to believe that Jesus did come, die, and rose again for your sins and for mine, when you confess with your mouth, believe with your heart, and receive him, he gives life to us. He forgives us. Spirit gives birth to spirit. Our lives are radically changed. So I want to encourage you, if you have not done that, to see one of us online, you can raise your hand here in person. You could come forward, talk to one of our pastors or leaders. Go out those doors to our hub in a minute. We have people that will pray with you to receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Maybe you've done that and you've not actually allowed him into the Monday through Saturday space. And maybe that's what it is today, is recommitting to Jesus that I'm going to believe that you're my source, you're the, the unlimited bread, everything else is failing me, but you will show up. God, I'm coming to you to find you Monday through Saturday. And then the last question I want to just ask you as we head into the summer together, what are you feeding on? Really? Are you feeding on news, social media, tabloids? Do those still exist? And uh, what are you feeding on? And what do you need to feed on this summer in order to experience all that Jesus has for you? I'm going to pray for us and then we're going to receive communion together. But may we know that when we feed on Jesus, he says, I have abundant life for us. I have peace. I have joy to give you. I have so much more to give you. Let's pray together. Father, we love you and praise you. We thank you that you are our unlimited bread. In our limits, you are unlimited. And there are many of us that may be coming to you today that have a need, that have a hurt, that have something that needs your touch. Father, we know that that is the space that you do your best work when we honestly and openly come to you. So Father, I just pray that we would feed on you this summer, that you would be the bread of life in new ways for each of us. Forgive us for trusting and relying in things other than you. And be with us even now as we receive communion. And come to you, come to your table. We thank you for the offer of life abundantly that you give us. In Jesus' name, amen. As you came in, you should have received, if you're here in person, the communion elements. If you don't have them, you're welcome to put up your hand. Our ushers will come around. There's two elements here. And as we receive communion today, we've talked about unlimited bread, the bread of life. Jesus instituted the sacrament of communion that his church would gather and remember that he is the bread of life. That his body on that cross symbolized for us taking on all of our sins. And that when he died and said it is finished, he had bled. And the juice symbolizes his blood, a blood unlike yours and I. He was fully human, but also fully God. Sinless, 
So his blood is the atonement, the atonement for our sins. It covers our sins. In 1 Corinthians chapter 11, Paul said this, For I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the night when he was betrayed took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, also, he took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. We want to invite you today to take your time. I'm going to pray over you. And then scripture says in that same passage to examine ourselves. So take your time during this next song. You may receive the elements as you feel ready. If you'd like prayer after you've partaken of the elements, we'll have a prayer team up here and available. We would love to pray with you. To be clear, this is something the body of Christ does. And if you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, start there today and then receive communion. So Father, right now we come to you to just ask for your blessing over this moment of receiving communion. You see every heart, you see every mind. We come to you to remember your body. We thank you for the bread that was broken to remind us of what you did for us on that cross. We thank you for the juice that reminds us of your blood that was shed. We confess we are sinners in need of a Savior. And we pray that you would wash over us as we receive communion today. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. The band plays, you are welcome to receive the elements and then to worship and to praise him with us.
Amen. Amen. Well, Jesus is that unlimited bread, and he's available daily. And as we get ready to go, my prayer and my hope for us is that we find him, that we feed on him in new ways in this season. Amen. If you're a visitor, welcome. If you come through those doors, if you're here in person, we've got a gift at our welcome center. We'd love to welcome you. If you need prayer for anything, please stay. We'll stay available. We'd love to pray with you, pray for you. Two quick things. Uh, as a church family, we've been uh, working through, uh, you know, this, this loan, this roof, all of these things. And I just want to say thank you. Last Sunday, we had a 99% approval of getting a loan, small loan, praise God, that we will then use to repair a major section of our roof in the, in the next few months. We'll keep you posted on the progress and what all that looks like, but thank you for your trust in, in our board, in our church, in our leadership, and, and know that our heart is and our belief is God can do a miracle and that that thing will get paid off quickly. Amen? So let me just uh, tell you then that too, that sometimes God is the source, but you're the resource. And there may be a few of you that have the resources to help us pay that off early, whether you're online or in person. You pray, we'll be available if you'd like to talk. <laughs> Second item is uh, we actually have uh, a slide here. Uh, if you voted on the roof, that means you know you're a, a participating, what I like to call functional family member, and we have our board nominations coming up. If you go to uh, pathwayvb.com slash nominate, you can get more information over the next 30 days. We'd like to invite you uh, that our voting family members of our church uh, to help nominate. We have two openings as we head into November uh, to fill on our board. And uh, you can get more information at that website. See any of us on the board or staff if you have questions. And uh, we'd love your participation in that over the next month. Amen? All right. Father, we love you and praise you. Thank you for a day filled with your word, with worship, with bearing witness to who you are. And we just pray for your deepest and richest blessings over each and every person present today. May we walk in your love. May we walk in your favor. May we be the church you have called us to be. May we love all people in our pathway as we love you. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Go now and be the church. Have a great week.